It has to stop being the last resort. It has to be just part of the options that are given to you. These women specifically are so conscious of how you're feeling when you're taking cannabis. Pop a pill and something's gonna happen. It's part of your integration. It's part of like the mindset because the mindset is really the thing that's kind of probably healing us at this point. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of I am Christina D'Arcangelo. And with me today, I have a very special guest. Ms. Mrs. <laughs> Joyce Gerber. Thank you so much for joining me today, Joyce. How are you? I'm good. You're like um, eating me back into the world of work. So it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a two-week vacation and my brain feels like sludge. So. <laughs> well, at least this is a soft pitch, right? It's not. <laughs> exactly. It's not hardcore. Um, thank you for joining me today, especially since you have been out for a couple of weeks and yes it is hard to get back into work after you know you've had a couple of weeks off so thank you for joining me today You're very welcome so why don't you tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself and your work and what you've been doing well, thank you christina thank you for um, inviting me on i um i am the creator and host of the award-winning podcast the Canna Mom Show. It's me. <laughs> uh, I have um, just completed my third season. We're setting up for our fourth season in September. And my own Canna journey, um, when I do tell it, I always say that cannabis was not my natural habitat. I am a middle-aged lady. I've got two grown kids. I've been married for 30 years. I am a lawyer by training. I play tennis, I wear pearls, and I like really thought cannabis was dangerous for you. That's what my understanding of what cannabis was. And I had a transition, um, which I think a lot of women my age can relate to. Uh, I had children, they don't raise themselves. <laughs> they don't tell you that. And um, my, you know, my professional life was a little um, non-traditional because I kept dropping out of work because my husband had better health insurance, really, basically. Um, in 2016, I was back at work and my husband and I went to Denver, Colorado and we did a private tour of the cannabis industry just because I thought it would be fun. And I called my cannabis awakening. And it was on that tour that I really saw that it wasn't just a bunch of dudes on their couches eating Cheetos. This was an <laughs> industry that touched like literally everything, you know, yep. cosmetics to criminal justice. So we came back to Massachusetts. That's where I am. I'm in Cambridge, Mass. Uh, my kids were teenagers at the time. And my joke is that I came home and I was like, kids, everything I know about cannabis is wrong. And they were like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I never planned on working in the industry. It just happened to coincide. 2016 was the same year the people of the great Commonwealth of Massachusetts, we voted to approve adult use. And at the end of 2016, a contract position I was working on ended. And then in 2017, I became an invisible middle-aged woman. That's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And I was getting very like sad, really. It was like very, I was sort of at that moment in life I was so nervous about. My son was in college, my daughter was about to leave and I didn't have a monetized job. I mean, I was work mm -hmm. always working, but I didn't have that thing. And um, anyway, so it was a long process. I ended up going into career therapy. Um, I did some testing. She's like, Joyce, you literally couldn't have designed a job that was worse for you than family law attorney. Divorce <laughs> attorney. I was terrible at it. I always say this. I'm sorry if I did your divorce. <laughs> I just, 
I just, I was never the meanest person in the room. Right. Anyway, but I could see that the law firms were starting to set up cannabis law divisions, which was a new law. Like you never, mm-hmm. ever, ever get to be part of something new. So I asked my therapist, I'm like, what do you think of cannabis? And she's like, that's a great idea. And you know, you just need one person to be like, okay. Yep. <laughs> so that started the journey. So that was 2017. And I am a human with a vagina, not a penis. So I did not jump right in. I decided I should learn something about it. And it was sort of a year of like learning, really. It was like, I heard the word endocannabinoid. I started hearing about the history and Harry Anslinger and all the crazy reasons why it was illegal in the first place. And I was meeting lots and lots of really amazing women who were talking about love and kindness and goodness and hope, which are like literally words you don't use in law ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, but women, it was still a new industry. People didn't really seem to be hiring. I was still trying to figure out my place. And then in 2018, I met someone who was starting a cannabis podcast media company. And he hired me to be his executive producer of his podcast. And that's how it started. That is awesome. I love that you <laughs> shared that with us. Um, and I love hearing it. You know, I was blessed to be on your show. Um, We shot at the end of last year and then you released it in the beginning of this year. And I'll tell you what, it was one of the most awesome experiences being on your show, Mm -hmm. talking about being a mom and working in cannabis, but being a patient myself and how people perceive, you know, like, well, it's okay for moms to drink vodka and, you know, like martinis and bring wine in a jug to the soccer field, right? right? It's okay to openly consume alcohol, which by the way, in case anybody was wondering, does impair your driving and you're at the, right? You're at the <laughs> soccer field. So us moms, you know, who are in the space that are consuming for our intended purposes, whatever they may be. In my case, it's because I have two autoimmune diseases um, and I needed, you know, some sort of support. I, I was criticized and I even work in it on the research side, like, and I advocate for it, as you know, from a patient standpoint. So it was very odd for me that people would criticize, you know, my utilization of my medicine, you know, it, it, it was no, just, it, yeah, it, it's again, so this is, I had a mind shift. It's a very hard cultural thing. You know, we grew up during dare, just saying, yeah. again, our brains are very malleable and yes. we can believe a lot of things. And our entire culture was geared around this idea that this drug was so dangerous. You had a joint, you had to go to jail. Right. So that was a cultural story. And I say the power of stories, really the stories that I'm sharing, this is very powerful. People believe in stories. Our whole world is literally ruled by stories. And the story we've been told for a hundred years, again, we live in the anomaly in history. 10,000 years, this plant medicine or plant has been in existence. It has been part of our paper. We fed our animals. We used it for medicine. No, people didn't go to CVS. They went to the garden and they found the plants that worked for whatever and Cannabis was one of the primary ones. Right. We took it out of our system for a hundred years for really bad reasons. Mm-hmm. Shifting this idea of the judgment, because that's a lot of the, again, we I talk about caregiving and crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers, because I, I could literally map out, like, if, could I stop at the liquor store before daycare? That was like 
accepted. Like that. Was yeah. Be doing. I- That's what I'm saying. Like, it's so crazy, right? It's just so crazy to me. And yesterday I was on a flight coming back. I went into Dallas um, for just a meeting. I was in and out. I, I was in the air longer than I was in the meeting. And I was sitting next to a woman who was middle-aged and she, I don't even know how we got on the topic of cannabis. I just freely talk about, as you know, I freely talk about it. I'm not embarrassed by it. I don't care, you know, whatever. And so she was talking to me about her perceptions of cannabis. And it was, it's very similar to what you just described where this, this is the way it used to be for her. She's now opening her eyes um, to the powers of cannabinoid, um, and terpenes and and what is delta eight what's delta nine so i sat next to her it was only um it's like what i think a two hour flight or two and a half hour flight from dallas back to philadelphia and i spent a long time educating her on what the endocannabinoid system is the fact that we all have an endocannabinoid system not all the doctors have been the past doctors have been trained on the endocannabinoid system so it makes them uncomfortable when right. you come in as a patient i mean i know i screw yeah. with them all the time you know because i go to penn for my primary and penn is part of our program in pennsylvania like the research program and the medical cannabis mm-hmm. and so you would think there's a big box around how they run this stuff from an academic perspective. So when you go in as a patient and you and they say, well, are you taking anything other than what we know about? Right. And I always go, make sure you put CBD, cannabinoid, CBG, CBN. Make sure you put THC down. I have a medical card. And that's what's helping me with my autoimmune diseases, not what you've told me to do. It's what I've decided to do. Make sure you put that down. And every time I do that, they always look at me funny. And I'm like, I don't know why you look at me funny. You're part of the chapter 20 program here in Pennsylvania. Get on the bus because the people up above you are already on the bus, right? They want to do research. And I'm telling you, I'm a good person for you to learn from. Yeah. Because this is what I do for a living. Besides, I consume as a patient. How do you think I've learned? But again, that again, so I will say universally, your story, you know, every story is unique, but the stories are so universal in that they're often women who have come to this as a last resort to heal themselves or heal someone they love, which is the other thing we have to talk about is that it has to stop being the last resort. It has to be just part of the options that are given to you. And once they've healed themselves or healed their child, they are evangelized and they need to go out and share this information. Yeah. Industry we know is very hard to be in. It's hard to capitalize. We have a lot of illegality. Moms are still having issues with child services if they con- you know, consume. There's a lot of things still going on. And these women are very brave and they're coming out and they're sharing their stories. So again, because once you hear the story, once you see, once the transparency comes into being and you realize you know that person and you know that person's healed, I think that opens up people's heads. Like there's a mm-hmm. space that opens up that allows them to hear the story. So mm-hmm. that's why it's so powerful that you keep doing this, that you, you look the way you do, like, and you talk about this the way you do, that it's, this is what it really is. This is really healing people. And yep. that's the power of the women who are telling these stories, I think. You know, thank you for that. And, and, you know, it was amazing. I was invited. Um, I was only in Boston for a short period. So that's why I didn't tell you. And you were on vacation when I was there. So I, we, we didn't connect, you know, this time. Yeah. 
Um, but I was asked to speak at a traditional pharmaceutical conference about patient advocacy and oh. the need for patient advocacy in the traditional pharmaceutical and biotech space. I yep. spoke about this last year in the UK virtually, and they invited me back in again now in the hub of R&D in Boston. And incidentally, Biogen had just laid off 50,000 people the day before I had to come up there and speak. And so I was honored because, you know, I love talking about patient advocacy, but I was able to point out very, very straightforward and to the point that the cannabis pharmaceutical industry and biotech industry globally actually embraces nonprofit advocacy firms or for-profit for that matter. There are some for-profit companies out there, so I'm not poo-pooing those that are for-profit. I chose to be nonprofit with Affinity Patient Advocacy as a federal nonprofit because we do that work for free. We do not charge our patients when we represent them. So um, it was important for us to have the feds, the fed status. But anyway, I brought this up very pointedly, like, listen, they are doing it. How come you can't, how come you think you know so much about the therapeutic area that you're researching with respect to these patients that you don't think you need to align with a patient advocacy firm that's actually talking to these patients. I've talked to several moms that have come to us for various reasons, whether it's anxiety, depression, um, if it was COVID, oh, yeah. you know, palliative COVID, all these moms. And I've helped, I can't tell you how many of them kind of navigate. Even the lady yesterday on the plane she has something that she needs help with. And so does her daughter, who's 15 years old. And she is now open to the idea. Her eyes are open to trying something. It doesn't have to necessarily be THC. There's ways that we can help people. So you're not scared about right. the Delta 9. You know, like we've got to do a better job educating people and getting them to understand. Like today, I just posted... Um, marijuana times because i just did an article for them about the importance of clinical research yes. and patient recruitment and how you have to educate these patients you have to explain what cannabinoids are and what terpenes are and yep. the endocannabinoid system yeah all these things somebody comments on my on my post on my brand you know the trolls who goes well it's been around for 85 years the research really dog because if it was around for 85 years, don't you think this would have been approved federally by now? Like, please stop. Please stop with what we're trying to do, which is educate people. And it's just, and it's, it's breaking the mindset that it's dangerous. Again, so like my mother, I talked about this. My mom passed this year. Right. She was on a lot of pharmaceuticals. She thought that I was in a drug cartel. She did not understand what I was really. Oh, oh my yeah. God. And she was just the truth. So in March of 2020, right before the shutdown, she was my last guest on my podcast. So my last guest to go into studio. So I used to go into a studio. Now I record in my daughter's bedroom. <laughs> but, uh, so she came to work with me that day. I forget why she just thought it'd be fun to come with me. And my guest canceled because of all the chaos that day. So my producer got my mother to put the headphones on and I talked to her about cannabis on my podcast. It's called the Cannonana. We actually released it oh. afterwards. We, um, we went to a dispensary just to show an adult use dispensary and the dispensary owner gave us a tour of her cultivation center. And my mother was like scared. I'd say this all. She was like scaring them. Like she just would not believe what they were telling her. Like she couldn't open her mind to this. 
Anyways, but so she just wasn't a believer. And then my mother got so sick during the pandemic. I mean, the isolation and all the drama and everything. And they kept upping her meds and things were really bad. And she finally said, can I talk to one of your canon nurses? So I had a friend of mine do a, con uh, a conference with her, um, teleconference. And she was the first medical professional to ask for. My mother was on such high other medications. And she started to help us introduce some CBD. But by the time we finally got my mother to believe in this, it was too late. And she started conflating the CBD with her dementia. It was just not a good match. But right. I keep hearing of all these stories of people working with their elder relatives to help their end of life issues. Just yep. Just not be so dramatic. Like what I yep. thought my mother was so sad and so painful. Yep. My mother was a really kind, nice person. At the end of her life, she was so angry and she was so confused. And I mean, the truth is we upped her medications at some point just to keep her calm, which isn't good. And no. Anyway, to introduce cannabis in a way that would relax, like she needed to relax her mind. That is what yep. my mom needed to do. And she just couldn't get past the stories in her head that this was really more dangerous than yep. barbiturates and all the other things. Yeah, all the other things that they had her on. And, you know, the same thing with my dad. When he passed in 15, we did not have a program right. in Pennsylvania yet. So he refused, which was unbearable. I don't know how he did this because I... I don't know. Um, he refused to take painkillers when his entire body had been imploded with cancer. His mm -hmm. liver stopped working. His kidneys were shutting down. His, he had um, liver, lung, stomach, brain. So it even went into his brain. So then cognitively, he wasn't there, which was my dad's. That was his number one pride and joy was his brain. Like he was That's amazing. Really, yeah. He could negotiate contracts for the Teamsters um, that he represented on the Turnpike, 200-page contracts by memory. Everything was by memory. My dad was brilliant. And so to watch him suffer, mm. like similarly to what you've said to about your mom, mm. and, and we couldn't give him cannabis legitimately, and we surely weren't going to go on the street because God only knows. And I don't have, I didn't have access to that. Like, come on, I'm a clinical research nerd. I, I think, you know, like, I can't. So I watched this and it was, it was so painful. And then fast forward to 2018. Now his eldest brother, he now is in his end of life state and the doctors wouldn't put him in hospice. They had him in a nursing home. And my aunt called me and was like, Chris, I need your help. Can yeah. you get in here and advocate for your uncle Artie? And you know, can you help him get a cannabis card? Cause I want him right. to take, you know, and so, cause we had a program then, right? right so right. I, I got in there and I got him classified as a hospice patient. We were able to transfer him into his home. Like he wished he wanted to die at home, just like my father. Yeah. And we got him a cannabis card and it was like such a, a breath of fresh air compared to my dad's death versus his death in the sense that at least he was at peace when he died, yes. you know, and he wasn't in so much pain, you know, that the pain alone to watch someone suffer like this and, and they're not there. It's just a shell of a body. And this is what people don't understand. This is what people don't understand what this plant actually does for patients at end of life, even everyday life. I mean, I got COVID unfortunately, because I was exposed because I had to go to the hospital because my mom was in the hospital and I had to go. And I got COVID. I went two years without COVID. And you better damn well believe I was taking, you know, my immune boost 
patch. I was taking my terpene syringe from the program. I was taking my THC. I mean, I was doing everything I possibly could to stabilize myself using pinene, for example, because right. my lungs were so messed up from oh, wow. the COVID. But again, so I don't, I, I admit, I know nothing about the human body. Don't come to me for advice, but <laughs> listen to my show for the women who are talking about these educators who are talking about really how to navigate you through this process. And there are so many more nurses coming into this um, area of, you know, um, medicine, I guess you want to call it. There are some doctors who are coming on board, but again, there's a lot of licensing issues for them and they yep. get in a lot of trouble and they really are not taught this. So I don't really want to fault them. Right. But again, there are very good doctors out there who are listening to their patients because I talked to enough women because, you know, at some point they are honest with their physicians about what they're doing. Right. They'll either be like, no, I can't treat you anymore because I think that's bad. And it'll, I don't know how it interacts with what I'm giving you. Or they sit down and they listen and mm -hmm. they take information because this is the most personalization of medicine I've ever seen. And again, I don't know anything about the human body, but this thing that these people, these women specifically are so... You have to be so conscious of how you're feeling when you're taking cannabis. Yeah. Not pop a pill and something's going to happen. It's part of your integration. It's part of like the mindset because the mindset is really the thing that's kind of probably healing us at this point. Mm -hmm. Being able to calm down and being able to be present in your life. And as an attorney, I was never present. As a mom, I was never around. And I say this all the time. When my kids were little, I could have used it. I could have calmed down and sat on the floor with them instead of, I always got everything done. They were always mm -hmm. fed, they did school, mm -hmm. they, you know, all the things, they had enough money for call. I did all the stuff you were supposed to do, but I didn't enjoy it the way I should have. And I tell young moms this too. If you're feeling that moment of stress where you feel like the world is spinning and you're not gonna get anything done, that is literally the moment to stop. Where you move yourself, do whatever you need to do to give yourself a timeout, take a hit or something and calm back down, come back into your bodies. And that is how it's going to help you mm -hmm. be a better parent. It's not going to make you loopy. It's not going to, no. you're actually going to like them more. This is the no. other thing. You probably think they're funnier. Yeah. <laughs> be like, well, cause you're more awesome. You're I'm relaxed. Awesome. You're relaxed. <laughs> you're not so uptight. You're not worrying about the smudge wall mark on the wall. You know, like, cause as moms, we worry about these things. We worry about, perception of oh well our household isn't clean enough or because we're professionals and we're successful and we're moms well we can't go and sit in yoga at 10 o'clock in the morning like these other stay-at-home moms are like no offense i i love stay-at-home moms i have friends that are stay-at-home moms but you know i always have a hard time relating with them because i i'm a corporate you know i have how many companies and I make time for my son all the time, yep. but you're judged. Yeah. So, anyways, I just, I, again, this should be part of our lifestyle. It yes. Scary. It isn't anything bad. It isn't no. detrimental. It isn't anything that we've been told. And again, this is the other really phenomenal thing I think about the cannabis industry. We have our own problems, but I only talk to women in the industry at this point. So the joke is, oh my God, there are men here too. <laughs> but the women I'm meeting are like you. They are healed. These are healed women who are trying to lead this industry. What other industry can you say is like that? Right. No one. No one. Well, Joyce, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> the time has come already. It went by so fast. I looked at the clock. I was like, oh, boy. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about your journey and how you got into this and your background and especially your mom. Because I know, you know, 
you just lost her in January of this year. And I know for me, um, it was sometimes really hard in the very beginning to talk about my dad's death, you know, especially as it related to the nonprofit work I do. And, and um, it was like, even up until probably last year, I had a really hard time talking about my dad so openly. So I really give you props because I know how hard it is to talk about this because it's like so it fresh. We just, you know, like, we just did a family vacation and I don't know. She's with me. I feel like she's with me. I can't explain any different. She's just around, you know. Yep. I get it. You know, like <laughs> we look for, we look for signs because we know they're still with us. You know, my dad, um, lately I've been seeing a lot of butterflies and I know that's him. Um, music is how he communicates with me. So a lot of times he'll send me certain songs. Um, and then also a lot of his friends, because he was so, he was the guy that like helped everybody from a labor perspective. He had so many friends. So sometimes his friends will come to me um, and tell me, hey, your dad came to me. I was sick and he came to me and he played um, Jay-Z song with Alicia Keys, uh, New York. My dad loved that song because he was a Yankees fan. He loved yeah. New York. He was like, you know, Sinatra, like he loved all that stuff. And so like getting calls from people, you know, telling me this stuff, it reminds us that they're still with us. So thank you for sharing You're that. Welcome. Because <laughs> I, I know it's hard. I know it's really, really hard. And, and, and so. again, the cannabis, again, the cannabis has helped me process this. I have, you know, again, I am like a white lady tennis playing pro or, and that really is who I am. And I've met so many interesting people in this industry, people I wouldn't have met, you know, ganja, priestess culture, people who are kind of getting me into this I'm, it's helping me with my spiritual connections. It's yes. Centered and to feel a world that isn't, I don't know. It, it just, it gives you, it's your mind. It's all about your mind. That's right. So healthy in your mind. You can live a healthy life. I think. That's absolutely right. Well, thank you again for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule back in the saddle uh, with me. First thing, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. And with that, as we always say, Remember, we are the same. I am Christina D'Arcangelo. Thank you.